Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. The trade deadline has come and gone, and there's no better place to go than right now to the 101 ESPN hotline to talk to Keith Law, the baseball writer for The Athletic. He's been breaking everything down over at The Athletic. You can find all of his work at on Twitter, at Keith Law. Keith, we appreciate the time, as always. Uh, the Cardinals did a lot of selling over the last couple of days, but it was all for rentals, and so, of course, the return for those is going to be suppressed. When you saw what the Cardinals were able to accomplish at this year's deadline, what was your overall grade or reaction to what they were able to get? Yeah, I, I don't think they did great. I don't think they did horribly, but I think they... You know, I, I feel like they probably should have gotten more in total um, particularly, I would say for the Jordan Montgomery trade, I would say of everything, that was the one where I was probably a little most uh, disappointed in the return, given how effective he's been, what some of the prices were we were seeing for some other starters getting traded, and just the general scarcity of anybody who's, you know, especially left-handers who were better than Montgomery in this market. I just think in general, uh, the Cardinals may have missed some opportunities to trade guys who weren't rentals also. You know, the idea that we're just not trading Nolan Arenado. I mean, I understand Nolan Arenado is a tremendous player. He might have been the most valuable player in the National League last year. But you're not winning this year. And if you can put him out there and get a package of players that makes you better for the next several years, you have to at least consider those possibilities. And it seemed like they just wrote that off entirely before even getting to the point of fielding any legitimate offers for him. Keith, the uh, conversation that we were just having on the show prior to us calling you was the discussion of John Mozeliak not finding the ability to acquire a pitcher that can plan into their rotation for 2024. Other than Savali, those guys really weren't traded. But when you look at the Cardinals and what they have on their team, are you surprised that they weren't more aggressive at the de- uh, the deadline? Well, more aggressive how? Do you mean more aggressive in trying to go get pitching for next year or just more aggressive in terms of selling players off? More aggressive in trying to get pitchers for next year. Yeah, I I, I would push back a little bit on that idea. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, I bring these up, this team up because they're sort of local, right? If you look at how the Royals have historically approached a lot of these trade deadlines, and I'm going back, you know, even 15 years to the Dayton Moore era, they always said, well, we just need this. We need pitchers and catchers, so we're just going to try to get those guys. Instead of getting the best returns in trades, they would try to focus on very specific categories of players. And I think in general, that didn't work out for them. You have to accept that you may not get exactly the package that you're looking for, exactly the the categories of players you're looking for. Your goal in any trade situation like this, where you're trading major league players for prospects, you just get the best package you can overall. And honestly, that would probably more be position players for me than pitchers anyway because of the higher degree of certainty that we do see with position players so not saying i would never take a pitcher but i would always lean towards adding the position players if you end up in a situation where you have a surplus of of good young position players then you can try to package some of them together 
to go get more established pitching, especially when you're in a contending window again. It's interesting, Keith, because I think the Cardinals did exactly what you're talking about, where they just wanted to add as much pitching depth as they possibly could, and specifically close to the major leagues pitching depth. Do you think that that focus on upper level pitching is what ended up maybe decreasing some of the value in, a, in somebody's eyes like yourself? If that's what they did, then sure. Yeah, I could believe that. Um, you know, I look at the return for Jordan Hicks where Sam Rober says, I've always liked him as a prospect. I think he's really interesting. Uh, he's also more interesting because he's actually Dutch. Um, we've had very few truly Dutch born and raised players in Major League Baseball, but he's he's not there. He's close to the majors in terms of where he's pitching, but certainly not in what's coming out of his arm. He could not come and pitch in a major league rotation right now. Adam Klofenstein, I think the only thing he's got going for him is that he's in double A, but I don't actually think he's very good. Uh, I don't see any way he's contributing to this major league club. Certainly not this year, probably not next year, except maybe in a limited relief role. And so if that was their philosophy, and I, I don't know the answer, but if they were just going for proximity to the majors, then, yeah, they probably did leave some ceiling on the table. The one exception of all the arms they got was to Kohorobi, who I think they may have gotten him. And I like his that acquisition. They may have gotten him at the right time because he's coming back from a minor injury, and it might have made him more available than he otherwise would have been. Keith, you mentioned position players, maybe over pitchers at the deadline, and the Cardinals did acquire two infielders, which is an intriguing situation for this team where they already have a lot of infielders at the major league level. How do those two infielders that they acquired fare into the Cardinals play over the next year? Well, you know, I really liked, um, I liked the Jace, uh probably the most of the guys they got coming back. I think they're going to have to ultimately determine what his best position is. We know shortstop is Mason wins. I don't know exactly when, maybe that's tomorrow. Maybe that's before the season. About two out, weeks, Keith, is what it sounds like. <laughs> okay, perfect. That works for me. I am a huge Mason win guy. And I mean, that 2020 draft from the Cardinals is going to be one of the greatest draft classes we've ever seen a team have. I, uh, so you plan around when maybe Jason was second, maybe he moves to third. That kid just keeps getting better and I will fully acknowledge I may still be underestimating him because he has improved so much over the last 15 months or so I saw him in April of last year and thought I mean this is just a nice extra infielder maybe nice little player and he just kept getting better stronger better eye at the plate even shows up this year even stronger than he was at the end of last year so he's on the right trajectory and you know as much as I say I didn't love Montgomery trade for them overall it also did bring back I think the two best prospects they got in the deal so at least relative to what else they did I mean at the deadline at least relative to what else they did that did return the the the, again I think the two most interesting guys we're talking to Keith Law here on 101 ESPN find all of his work over at the athletic and you can follow him on Twitter at Keith Law Uh, Keith you mentioned how a couple of the guys that are maybe in terms of proximity to the big leagues, they're, they're close, but they maybe not close to like actually pitching in the big leagues in a meaningful way. Who do you think could be close to the big leagues? Like who could be a part of the Cardinals, whether it's their rotation or their bullpen as soon as next season in your mind? Well, I think you'll see Roby uh, appear in the big leagues. I think you'll see Drew Rom, who is part of the Flaherty trade, appear in the big leagues at some point next year. 
uh, Klaffenstein, I mean, I don't know what they see in him. I'm not, I, I saw Klaffenstein at the end of last year and said, I don't, I don't know that this guy ever pitches in the majors. He's been a little better in 2023, but he's also repeating the same level he was at last year. So I'm pretty skeptical, but if they see something, maybe they think he can come up and work out of the bullpen and be more effective in a limited relief role. Maybe get some of his velocity back. I think those guys will appear in the majors next year. I don't, I would not bet on any of them being real contributors next year. Even though I like Roby somewhat for the long term, I don't think he's going to come in and be a third starter for them next year. Maybe not a fourth starter. I think these are guys who come up and maybe get their feet wet, maybe struggle a little bit out of the gate, and that their real value is somewhere further down the road. Explain Drew Rom to me like I'm for, uh, Keith, because I see the, the this a write-up of, okay, he throws 88 to 90, but he's getting a ton of strikeouts down in the minor leagues, and it just it doesn't compute in my head. Can you explain him a little bit to us that haven't watched Drew Rom regularly? Well, a lot, I'm not, and I think Drew Rom is a reliever. Um, I know he's been a starter. He does miss bats. He also gets hit pretty hard. He does not really have much of a breaking ball. He is a fastball changeup guy with a good bit of deception. Obviously, having a good changeup can help your fastball play up as well. And the Cardinals have particularly, in, in a couple of spots in recent years, gone after some of these guys with unusual deliveries, particularly what they call the low approach angle or low attack angle. They took Cooper here, uh, Jerpy in the draft in 22, which I thought was a, a huge reach. Um, and the, his arm slot and the deception of his delivery was a major reason for that. The third guy they got in the Flaherty trade, Zach Showalter, another guy with one of those it's a lower arm slot, low approach angle, very tough for team side hitters. They seem to think that is a that's an opportunity for them. That's something they should be targeting. And it looks like now that's you know, two guys at this trade deadline. I mentioned Jerpy. There's some other guys kicking around the system. It seems like that's something they're particularly going after. I also think the hitters tend to tell you how effective that is. And sure. in Rom's case, yeah, he gets strikeouts. He also gives up a lot of hard contact. And the lack of a breaking ball is going to be a serious, serious problem for him being anything more than a one-inning reliever. Keith, John Mozalak talked to yesterday post-trade deadline. Now that everything's accomplished and the dust is settled about how they do have some big tasks in the offseason, whether it's via trade or free agency. I want to hone in on the trade. Looking at the Cardinals and what they acquired and what they have, do you see this team having the necessary assets to go out there and acquire a top-end pitcher in the offseason? Without knowing exactly who's available in trade this offseason, there's definitely some pitchers who are pretty good who are heading for free agency. Um, the Cardinals just traded one of them, actually, in Montgomery. They could always re-sign him. Uh, I think the answer is yes, particularly since they seem to I – mean, you guys would probably know this better than I would, but for whatever reason, they seem to be willing to deal Dylan Carlson. And I don't know why they've soured on him as much as they have. I'm pretty sure there's 20 teams in baseball would very be very, very happy to have Dylan Carlson on their roster while he's still, I don't even think he'll be eligible for arbitration. He is, or he might be first-year eligible. He's going to make no money. Of course teams want that guy. So if they package him together with one or two prospects currently in the system, decent prospects, and they have quite a few, maybe even one or two of the guys they just traded for, yes, I believe they could go get a you know whoever the best pitcher is available in the trade market this winter. I believe the Cardinals could be competitive for that guy. They definitely have enough if they're willing to include one player off the major league roster. 
I think the Carlson thing is just a, it's an unfortunate part of where they're at Keith, because they have had so many of these outfielders that they have held on to over the years that, I mean, now you're looking at it and it's like, okay, Donovan's probably going to be an outfielder for you regularly. They really like Lars Newbar. They've got uh, Jordan Walker. So th- there's, there's only so many spots to play out there every day. And with his splits, especially against right-handed pitching uh, there, there's just not an obvious position for him here and when you have a scenario like that, I think their perspective is it makes more sense to flip him for a pitcher than it would be to have him as like a fourth outfielder that starts against lefties going into next season. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But mm-hmm. I think that's the perspective that they have on him. Excuse me. It would feel like they were selling very low in that case because I don't think he's a platoon back going forward. I think he's got the best, most upside of all those guys you mentioned, except for Jordan Walker. He's, he's in his own category. But Jordan Walker is the one guy where – it's, it, he's he's got a starting role for the next six years, right? We're not worried about him. Newt Barr is a part-time player. Donovan's a part-time player. They have hung on to Tyler O'Neill. He's a part-time player at best. Carlson's a chance for a regular. Now, if you're trading that guy in a package and it gets you a number two starter, okay, that's fine. I'm completely on board with that. I was really worried we would be having this conversation after the trade deadline and they had dealt Dylan Carlson for uh, you know, a, a part-timer, a reliever, nowhere near enough return. So I guess I should say I'm glad that they did hold on to him rather than selling him at what is probably the lowest point in his value since he got to the big leagues. Keith, we'll get you out of here on this. You've been super generous with your time. We always appreciate you joining, especially after a busy time like this at the deadline. I, I did want to ask you about the Cardinals rotation. They've got three spots to fill in it uh, going into next year is what the expectation is right now. Uh, what I wanted to ask you about is that number five spot. Do you believe that the Cardinals have anybody in their system right now, whether it's Liberator or somebody else, that could reasonably be written in as the number five starter going into next season? You know, it could be Liberator if uh, he's got a big adjustment he's got to make where he's got to either change something about the fastball or just stop using it so much. All his secondary stuff is better than the fastball. He's getting crushed on the fastball when he comes to the big leagues. Uh, but I would actually bet, if you're asking me who is the fifth starter out of someone in the system, I'd probably say Graceffo is the most likely. And then I'm not sure if I'd say McGreevy before Liberator. I was always a big Liberator guy, but we saw him again this year. He's not making that adjustment. Like This is not working. You have to change something. So I don't know that I want to just say once again, oh, I think Liberator will figure it out. It's, it's possible that McGreevy, even with less upside, just because he's such a command guy and you can at least count on him to come up, should be able to count on him to come up and throw strikes, they might be more inclined to give him the chance if Graceffo, um, who, who is a legitimately strong prospect of projects as a mid-rotation guy down the road, if he, for whatever reason, can't grab and hold on to the fifth starter spot. Do you think they should be calling up McGreevy now to go ahead and find that out before they get to the offseason? Um, I don't see a lot of downside with that. With position players, you might want to play a little service time game. I don't love seeing teams do that. But with pitchers, like are, you know, who's smart enough to tell me that this pitcher, Mike McGreevy, is going to mark? He's going to be healthy and effective yeah. six years from now. Oh my God, just call him up. Right? <laughs> we're, we're lucky if we can keep these guys healthy for three years. Call all of these guys up one by well, Libertor you've seen obviously, but call Graceffo up. Call McGreevy up. Let them take a couple turns in the rotation. Let the coaching staff get to know them. Let major league hitters tell you what they need to work on. There's real truth in that. If it, if something isn't working, the hitters are going to tell you very quickly. And I like these guys as prospects, but most pitchers who come out of the minors are not finished products. You have to bring them out to the big leagues and 
let them take their lumps a little bit. You can head into the offseason with a new plan for each of those guys. Here's what you need to work on to be in our rotation next year. Keith, we always appreciate the time. Thank you so much for hopping on with us today. We'll be reading you over on The Athletic and following along on Twitter as well, at Keith Law. Thanks so much, and get some sleep now that the deadline is over, my friend. <laughs> my, my pleasure.